Uh, all right, grab your Bibles, open them up to the book of John chapter 6. If you didn't bring your Bibles, but you have a cell phone, you can download the church app. There's a Bible in there, uh, and you can follow along with me. Let me share with you the title that we're going to be uh, discussing today. It's called King for a Day. Um, this is the, the, the summary, is Jesus, while on earth was doing so many miracles that the people that were following him wanted him to be their king. Uh, He was constantly doing these kind, miraculous things throughout the day, and it was literally mind-blowing. In John chapter 6, it talks about a multitude of people that were following him and watching him do miracles, just one after another. Eyes opening, uh, lame people were able to walk. It was incredible. And what was so wild is on that particular day, there was over 5,000 people walking around, watching him perform these miracles. They, they were completely blown away by his teachings. They never heard anybody teach like this guy before. The authority that he spoke with was unreal. But this was... The coup de tete. This is what just really pushed it over the edge. Jesus looks out, sees these thousands of people following him around, and he knows that they're hungry. They're physically hungry. And I I just want to just say time out for a second. Because God cares most about your spirit. He cares most about spending eternity with you. He cares most about that. But he also notices the physical needs that we have. Physical needs that you won't have in heaven, but while you're here on this earth, you have them. All the way down to the detail of being hungry. He notices that. And he wants to take care of every single need, every worry that we have, and that's why we pray. People say all the time... Uh, Well, if God knows everything and he knows that I have issues and I have problems, why doesn't he just fix them? Because he wants to know, do you want him involved or not? Are you going to do this all by yourself? And so he looks at all the people. He can see that they're hungry. And uh, the disciples are saying, what do we do? We don't have enough food. And that conversation has taken place. And so Jesus says this, okay, give me what you got. For any of you that have ever lost anything in your life, God does not need what you have lost in order to bless you. He only needs what you have left. So whatever you've lost, all right, I'll let you chew on that on the way home. So whatever you got is all he needs. So he says, tell me what you got. And he says, I've got two fish and five loaves. Actually, that kid has two fish. Give me your fish and loaves. We have two fish and five loaves. And so he goes, uh, goes, that's all I need. And so he prays for it and literally feeds over 5,000 people. It's the greatest fish fry in the history of the world. And, and so that was it, though. That was the coup d'etat. That was when the crowd of people said, you are going to be our king right now. See, they've tried to make him their king before, and he slips out of the crowd because that's not what he's interested in. 
And so watch this. Watch what happens. They, uh, in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, it says this. But as he, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, in John chapter 6, verse 15, it says, They were ready to take him by force and make him their king. So he went higher into the mountains alone. So they had tried to make him king before, but this time you, are, you don't even have a choice. You're not going to get away from us this time. They grab him and make it. They are going to drag. They're going to take a crown and they're going to make him king by force. Somehow or another, I don't know if he like knows ninja or somebody, he just slips out. He gets out and he backs away and the Bible says that he slips away and goes higher into the mountains. Now every single word in the Bible is inspired by God. It was penned by a man but inspired by God. And so every word there's something to pull out of it. And when it says that he went higher into the mountains, uh, I believe that that's, there's, there's a principle buried in those words. See, Jesus could have said, all right, make me king. Let's do it. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. And, and hey, I like purple. Keep that in mind. No, it, there was something higher that he had in mind. He just says, you know what? Uh, there's something else that I'm thinking about. See, the entire time that we're on this earth, there is this tug of war. There's this yin-yang on the inside of our spirit. But being productive here on earth... God gave you gifts and talents and abilities to be productive here on earth with the amount of talents and, and, and options and opportunities that you have. But at the same time, to keep your mind on something higher. There's something way more important than anything you'll ever do here on earth. And what you do on earth is echoed in eternity. Amen. Jesus is backing up and he's saying, I, I, don't, I don't want to be king. And so he slips away. However, five days before he hung on the cross, he says, okay, I'll let you treat me like a king, but just this one time. One time, I'll let you treat me like a king. In five days, they don't know it, but he's going to be crucified. And so if it's ever going to happen here on earth, while he's walking among them, this is when it's going to happen. And so they get all excited in the entire city of Jerusalem. They get out palm branches. They know he's coming. He's going to come right down that road. And so they got palm branches and they're going to wave it around. And they're going to shout. And they're going to get excited. And they're going to get so pumped up. And so right up, this is good Texas terminology, right up yonder. Uh, Jesus is up there with his disciples. And he, he gets on top of a donkey, which is not exactly what they wanted him to do. Because if you're a king, you should come in like on a white horse. And Jesus is like, I'll do that just later. <laughs> so he gets up on the donkey and he's, he's coming down. And he looks down to the city and he can see the crowd. They've been waiting to do this. They're waving palm branches and they're so excited. And as this donkey got close, I'm sorry, my palm branch is all broken. This is the third service, okay? 
<laughs> but it was much better than that in the first service. There we go. And so, uh, uh, so they laid these palm branches down, and, and the donkey, they didn't even want Jesus' donkey's hooves touching the dirty ground. They took their jackets off, they laid them down, and he came in. And they, they gave him the greatest royal entry that they were capable of giving. But the way Jesus responds is so perplexing. Because he, he said, I'm not going to let you treat me like a king. And then he lets him treat him like a king just this one time for this one day. And, and then look how he responds. It's, it's so wild. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, it reads like this. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. See, what they didn't know is that 70 years from that moment, a man named Titus was going to come in with his army and was going to obliterate all of Jerusalem. They didn't know that. So Jesus was weeping. weeping. And not only was that the reason why he was weeping, but I believe there was three other reasons, and I want to share them with you. Um, reason number one is because he was saying goodbye that day. He was saying goodbye. There were, there were people that were in the crowds that he was never going to be with again. See, when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, when you love Jesus, you have a relationship with Jesus, you've asked him to forgive you of your sins, he knows that there is going to be a day in heaven that you're going to be able to spend eternity with him and he's going to be able to pour his love out on you and there's going to be this awesome relationship that's going to last forever. But he also knows that there's people that uh, look like they love him, but they don't. See, the Bible says this, that wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to everlasting life. And so he's looking out there and he's saying, the majority of you, he's looking out to Jerusalem, and he's saying, the majority of you, you're singing and you're shouting, uh, but, but you don't love me. You only love what I have, not who I am. You love me because I, I am able to bless you, not because you love me for who I am. And he knows that. And so this is goodbye. He's been speaking and teaching and preaching for three years. And he does not have their heart. The only thing they're interested in is I want you to answer my prayers and I want you to bless me again. Uh, let me read it to you. It, it actually reads like this. In John chapter 6 verse 26, Jesus replied, I'm going to tell you the truth right now. 
You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understand the miraculous signs. He goes, I, I just fed you with two fish and five loaves. You want more of that. It's not that you love me. You know that I can do things in this universe that are beyond your imagination. I'm the most powerful person. That's why you want to be around me. You want to be around me because I am capable of blessing you. But the minute I stop blessing you, you're not going to want anything to do with me. In fact, five days later, they were going to be saying, crucify him, crucify him. Then there's still people like that in 2016. God, I will, I, I will come to church all you want to. I will sing and dance and do whatever you want me to do. But just don't say no to me. I want my prayers to be answered. In the minute all their prayers don't get answered, they're gone. I'm done. You don't see them anymore. And he knows it. So he's riding into this city and he's saying, and he's crying. He's done all he knows how to do, but this is goodbye. It's goodbye because their, their, their worship is not sincere. They want the blessings. And number two, the reason why this is goodbye is it doesn't matter how many times he has shared his heart and shared the message of the kingdom. It got choked out of them. Let me read it to you. Uh, it reads like this. Um, let me see. Yes. Uh, in Mark chapter 4 verse 19. It says, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And see, it, God is such a, an awesome God because when he made you, he gave you gifts and talents and abilities. When you were in your mother's womb, he gave you gifts and talents and abilities. And he set up on this divine calendar opportunities. He knew that you were going to have these opportunities. He knew you were going to have the skill set that you have. And he sets, he expects you to come back with a return. I gave you certain skills, talents, abilities, and, uh, and, and, and open doors. I want you to be successful. The Bible says this, that he wants you to be prosperous. Just as your soul is prosperous, he wants you to be prosperous. In other words, he wants you to live a good life. He wants, to, he wants you to leverage your talents, your skills, and your abilities to the best, of the, the best way possible. He expects it of you. He wants you to live that good life. But there's this fine line where you are not leveraging your skills. Your skills are now leveraging you. In other words... Things have shifted and the, this wealth and cares and worries of this world, they, they consume these individuals so much that they don't have a heart for God anymore. They don't have a heart for God because they don't have a heart for God because 
their wealth and worries. It owns them. It's all they think about. And he's looking at me and saying, I have been around you for three years. And it's gotten choked right out of you. And for them, he was saying, he was saying goodbye. But the second reason why he was weeping, not because he was saying goodbye, but he was saying to others, I'll see you later. I'll see you later. This isn't goodbye. This is, I'll see you later. Uh, the, the, the people that love him, they, uh, they know that they're not perfect, um, but they love him. Um, just like many of you. You know you're not perfect, but you love God. In the areas of your life that are not perfect, you wish that they were. You, you hate the sin and you love God. And so he's looking at these people that fit into this smaller category. And he's saying, I'm going to be gone in five days, but this isn't goodbye. This isn't I'll see you later. But he's crying because he understands how tough this world is. And he actually says this in a different place in scripture. He's saying, I'm, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. It's hard out there. It's hard out there, but, but I'm going to see you later. The best way I can illustrate this category of people is um, last Thursday was the six-month anniversary of my wife's father passing away. And uh, I'm sorry, my wife's, yeah, my wife's father passing away. And so uh, it's been a real tough season in our life because um, I've never had a parent pass away. And up until Allie's mom is still alive, but she lost her father. And uh, it was a really tough, tough season. And, and um, while her father was on his deathbed just hours away from passing my wife was sitting next to her dad just crying and and she told her dad a secret that her and I have and so since she told the secret I'm gonna tell it to you uh it was just between her and I but I, we have this agreement that when we get to heaven that we're gonna meet in the back left hand corner Now, if heaven is an oval, it's going to take us a while, but we got time. Uh, <laughs> that was a silly joke, but um, so she told her dad, Dad, I want you to meet us in the back left-hand corner. So there's going to be three of us back there. <laughs> um, but she didn't want to say goodbye. It's just too much for her. Uh, she didn't want to say goodbye. And so she whispered in her dad's ear, Daddy, I'll see you later. And, and just a, a few hours later, uh, he passed away. Lots of crying, as you would imagine. In fact, they're still crying, um, especially just a few days ago when that six-month moment rolled over. It was just like it was all real again. But the next day... Um, her aunt and her uncle came up to her and they were crying and she pulled out this present and she says, hey, I know this feels silly. I know this feels dumb, um, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to give you this present. 
And it's so interesting, when the Lord wants you to do something, it's usually not out loud, an audible voice. It's something like deep down in here. And, and a lot of times, you know what you're supposed to do, and it makes sense in here. But then when you go to flesh it out, a lot of times it doesn't make sense outside of your own heart. And so uh, it's super natural. It's natural, but it's super, and so it feels a little awkward. And so... She said to Allie, she said, hey, um, I just felt like God wanted me to give you this gift. And I, I, I don't know. And so she just gives her the gift. Allie reached into the bag and she could tell that it was a wine bottle. And so she pulls out the wine bottle. And on the label it says, see you later. Now, nobody, can you put up that picture please? Thank you. Nobody heard Allie say that. And Allie just started crying. Allie heard, said it. Her dad heard it. And Allie said, you, you don't know what this means. And so she just kept the bottle real dear to her. It was God's way of saying, I heard that and I just want you to know it's true. You will see him later. There's people that Jesus looked at and said, I'll see you later. You see, that, that see you later moment is way bigger than what we realize. I'm wrestling with what I wanted, to, if I wanted to share this or not. I shared it in the first service, didn't feel led to share it in the second, so I didn't. Um, but I feel like I should share it right now. Um, I had a dream two weeks ago. It was a, it was a wild dream. I, I, was, I was laying down, but I wasn't laying on a bed, and I wasn't levitating. I was just, I was, I was, it was, I was laying down. And, and right above me, about five or six feet, if I could use those measurements, I could see Jesus right in front of me. And... I could feel so much love, just, it was like nothing I've ever felt before. The, the best way I can describe it is if you jump into a pool that's 10 feet deep and you go all the way to the bottom before you kick yourself back up, for that split second, you're in completely engulfed or encased with water. And if it's cold water or warm water, it's like this sensation where your whole body is feeling it all at the same time. And it's frustrating because my, my, my adjectives are just completely failing me right now because it was just so much greater than that. But I felt this love just swallow me up and I'm, I was crying. I was just crying. I was just, just crying in my dream, feeling this love like I couldn't feel it. And... All of a sudden, I started telling them, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. But it was interesting because in my imagination, I could see my family. I saw my son Luke and Presley and Kate and my wife. And I tell my kids all the time, I love you more than I love me. So there's nobody in this whole world more, that I love more than those four people, my wife and my three kids. 
So there's nothing in the world I love more. But that moment was so amazing that I was comparing the two moments and I was telling him, I'm willing to trade that closeness with my family. I just don't want to move. I just want to stay right here. I don't want to go back. Just let me stay right here. I don't want to go back. Just let me stay right here. And, and I was crying. And then I woke up, and I was crying when I woke up. And I missed it. I was like, no, I wanted to stay there. And I just, I, I bring that up to say that I just feel in my spirit that the Lord's just like, I'll see you later. <laughs> like, like, that's coming, and, we're, and it's never going to stop. It's coming. It's, it's just, it's never going to stop. And, and I want to say this. There are certain seasons of my life that I have made so many mistakes, said things and done things that when I think about them, I feel so embarrassed. I'd never even tell you parts of my, my life because I'm so embarrassed about them. But God just doesn't care about that. He just wants to be close. He just, he just wants to be close. So I just felt that you know, I'll see you later. And so at that moment when he was riding on that donkey back in, he was crying for several reasons. Number one, he's crying because there's people that he's been trying to reach for years that just... And then there's others that he's crying because he's about to be gone in five days. And so he's saying goodbye to these people and he's saying, I'll see you later. It's going to be hard for you. It is going to be so hard. It's like sheep amongst wolves. This world is hard. But I'll be close to you. But I'll see you later. And then there's this third category. On why I believe that he was weeping that day. Is because what he was about to experience. Is going to be incredibly painful. See, they did not know, nobody knew what was going to happen in five days. They did not know what he was experiencing. They did not know the anxiety, the worry, the fear. They didn't know, but Jesus knew. He, knew, he was experiencing something on the inside of him that nobody else knew. And, and you know kind of what that's like, because some of you are going through a season right now. It is so painful, it is so difficult, it is so stressful. But when I see you in the lobby or someone else sees you in the lobby and say, hey, how are you? It is too big, too complex, too in-depth, too emotional to even... You ain't ready for this, so I'm just going to say everything's fine. Are you with me? We see each other in the lobby. Hey, how are things? Everything's good. You don't even know what's going on. So he's on this donkey and everybody around him is like, hey, waving palm branches. Have you ever been there? You're, you're sitting in a church or you're sitting at work or you're sitting in a, at, at a restaurant and everybody around you is just like, and you're like, you guys have no idea the hell I'm going through and I'm not cussing, I'm being literal. Do you ever feel like this season... Oh my goodness. So Jesus knows that that's coming up. And so he's feeling the intensity. And, and we know that because this is what it says in the scriptures. Um, just a few days later. 
uh, it says this in, in Luke chapter 22, verse 41. He walked away about a stone's throw away and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. He's saying, God, is there any way I can get around this. He prayed the same kind of prayer you and I pray. Can we get around this? But see, Jesus and the Father, they're one, they're just separate. It's just kind of like if I could take your soul out of you and you can look at your soul and your soul could look at you, it'd be both you, but it's separate, but you're not God, so it's in the same. So it's like the same, but separate. The Bible says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. And so when you see Jesus, you see God. It's kind of like when you look in the mirror. That is the exact representation of you. And so Jesus asks a question to God, but gets the answer before he gets it all the way out of his mouth. Is there any way this cup can pass? He knows it's a no. So he just keeps on talking. Is there any way this cup can pass? Comma. Let your will be done. Not mine. In other words, if I got to go through this, if you're not going to let this cup pass, at least let your will be done. If I got to go through this, something good better come out of it. Are you with me? I ain't trying to go through this and not have something good come out of it. Something good better come out of this. And about that time, Sister Holy from church comes up to you and says, all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to kill you in like two minutes. <laughs> Are you with me? All good things work together for the good. <laughs> Jesus is sitting there saying, can I get out of this? Not your will, but yours. And then that scripture, it really is in the Bible. And if you understand what it means, it's an awesome. It goes from your being your, the most irritating scripture to your favorite scripture in a snap. Watch, let me illustrate. If you go to the doctors this week, you're like, I'm not feeling good. And the doctor says, well, I'll tell you what, let me give you a shot. And you're like, okay, give me a shot. And he takes the syringe and he gets ready to stick it in your arm. And you're like, hold on. Before you stick that into my arm, I want a list of every ingredient inside that syringe. Print it out. I know there's probably 21 different ingredients and every single ingredient has 17 letters in it, but print it out anyway. I want to see it. He prints it out. And just like on the back of, a, of, a, of an ingredients wrapper, it's got these huge words. And you're like, tell me what this is. Tell me what this is. Tell me what that is. Tell me what this is. I promise you a dollar to a donut because I've read up on this. There are some ingredients inside of that syringe 
that if you take it off the list and just put it into a syringe by itself and inject you with it, it could kill you. But if you take that ingredient and you mix it up with the other 17 ingredients, it can make you stronger than you were before you walked into that hospital. If you take one situation out of your life, that one situation is burdensome, burdensome enough to make you feel like you're going to die. Have you ever been through a season where you're like, this is going to kill me? But when you take that one season and you mix it with the other 7 million seasons that you're going to have in your 85, 87, 97 years on this earth. And you mix it all together. All those things work together for the good of those who love him. It all works together. Now, if you don't love them, you live on your own, well, best of luck to you. But to those who love them, all of those things, it works together. So Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Is there any way that this cup can pass? No, it can't. At least let something good come out of this. Let your will be done. And it all works together. And then something awesome happens. An angel shows up and begins to strengthen him. And I just want to let you guys know what angels do all day. Have you ever wondered what they do all day? Have you ever wondered? Some of them just worship God all day because they're in that moment that I just described. That they're able to feel it. And all they say is just holy, holy, holy. But the majority of the others, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Are not all angels sent to the heirs of salvation, people that are going to go to heaven, to minister to them, to strengthen them? So these angels showed up while Jesus is crying, and they begin to give him strength. And I just want you to know, in those seasons where you're going, this is harder than it looks. My dad used to tell me, Frankie, it's hard work making things look easy. He said, people show up and they're trying, but they're, they're trying to make it look like everything's fine, but it's not. And angels begin to show up and strengthen you. And on that day when Jesus wept, he was weeping because there were some people, it didn't matter what he said for three years, he could not penetrate that heart of stone. There were other people in the second category that he's like, I'm going to see you later. Then that third category was, I'm crying because this is the toughest season of my life. But Jesus knew what to do. He knew to pray. And I just want to tell you, I know it sounds trite, and I know it sounds like something a preacher would say. But when you call on God, sometimes it'll be in your mind, sometimes you'll whisper it, sometimes it'll be out loud. All angels. 
they're waiting for their orders. They're waiting for their assignments to be sent out throughout the earth to come strengthen those that are going to heaven one day. They're the heirs of salvation. So just whisper that prayer. Think that prayer. Sometimes you'll have enough faith and enough energy to pray for an hour, and then sometimes you're just like, Jesus. And sometimes you don't have the time to pray more than just Jesus. I talked about this last Sunday, but have you ever been driving down the road and somebody cuts out in front of you and you're like, Jesus! You don't have time to say, Jesus, I just thank you for my health and I thank you for my mom. Oh, and by the way, there's this car that's pulling out in front of me right now. You don't have time for that. The only thing you can do is, Jesus! Have you ever been there? Just pray whatever you can and allow those angels to be dispatched on your behalf. Would you stand up on your feet for me, please? Would you bow your head and close your eyes, everybody in the room? Nobody looking around. Let me ask you a question. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, Are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? For some of you, this entire message was not something that you connected with, and that's okay, but you've got to hear me right now. You've got to hear me right now, because this is the most important thing anyone will ever ask you for your entire life. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you sure you know where you'd spend eternity? This is why... I'm constantly telling our church family to find somebody to bring to church because they need to hear a preacher say, are you ready if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes? They need to hear it. But right now, I'll talk to your friends some other time. I'm talking to you right now. Are you ready? Without anybody looking around, not even the worship team, the technical crew, say, no, I'm not ready, but I, I need to get ready. Would you just raise your hand right where you're at, please? That's it. The hands are going up all over the room. Can everybody, as a sign of surrender, just raise both hands right where you are? And let's say this simple prayer with a raised voice. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please forgive me? I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you want to. But let's sing this song one time through before you go. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. Be blessed in Jesus' name.